Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 27th of May 2011. I always start off by advising newcomers to the broadcast to look at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, help yourself to the audios there for download, hundreds of them to choose from, where I try and show you uh, the, the shortcuts really to understanding the big system which runs the world. And it's not uh, the one that you think it is, it's not individual governments and politicians It shows you the superstructure above them with the organizations that have been at this for an awful long time. Very rich organizations, in fact, and how they set a plan up a long long time ago to, through their wealth, incredible wealth, take over all the remaining wealth of the planet through resources, gold, diamonds, food eventually, and everything else, and how they've pretty well done it up to the present time. Uh, The same group that formed the United Nations, the same group that funded uh, the, the, the Soviet system and every other system, and how they get conflicts going, and then they direct the conflict into the new society that they want to come around. You can't have anything changing without conflict, so they create the conflicts and guide them. So help yourself to the audios. Remember, too, you're an audience that bring me to you, so you can help me by supporting me in buying the books and discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughmedics.com. And remember, too, that apart from the audios and all those sites you see listed there, you can also download transcripts in English of a lot of the talks I've given over the years. And if you go into alanwattsentinel.eu, you can have your pick of the variety of other languages offered as well. Remember, too, from the U.S. to Canada, if you want to order, you can go into the website. You'll see how to do it. You can use a personal check or an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. You can use cash, and you can also use PayPal. Use the donation button and follow it with an email, name, address, and order. I'll get it out to you. And then across the rest of the world, you're left with Western Union, MoneyGram, or again, PayPal. Use the donation button. And remember, straight donations, too, are very, very welcome in these austere times, as they say, as we're loaning more money than ever across the planet. At least we're put down as a guarantor to pay off the debts when they forgive them to the so-called third world countries. And um, they're going like crazy right now with the G8, and I might might touch on some of that tonight. But we're living in a, a vastly different world than the one that's portrayed by television or media. Interestingly enough, it's always about 40, 50 years before anything that really happened in your lifetime is ever disclosed uh, through um, official secrecy acts and declassified stuff like spraying you through through the 60s, the 50s, 60s, and 70s with cadmium and stuff like that. You know, it's well hidden, massive projects over whole parts of Britain and parts of the U.S. as well. The, the big mosquito test they did with, with uh, basically the specially created mosquitoes they released in towns in the U.S. in the 60s. People woke up in the morning and their houses were covered in these huge mosquitoes. That kind of stuff is never told to you at the time, just like the spraying in the air for the last, well, since about 98, pretty steadily. 
is not being discussed either. Uh, it will be once long after you're dead, and no one will care then. That's why they tell you 50 years later. So what we get really for news are mainly distractions or exoteric uh, reasons for what they seem to be doing, and it's good enough for the general public. Even when it comes down to the Patriot Act, you'll find that there's really two Patriot Acts. So there's an exoteric one that they, they prattle on about in in Congress, and then there's the, the real esoteric one, which only one senator talked about, uh, that, and he can't disclose what it contains because it's secret. So that's the world you're really living in, and you're not allowed in on the big plan. You're supposed to think things are just happening by happenstance, day by day. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. I've talked for, for years about how laws, once they're on the books, really never come off. And even income taxes in some countries came out as temporary wartime taxes, and they're still with us today. And once they, they put a, a law on the books too, they tend to expand it. Once it's on the books, there's less prattle about how they're going to expand it, just go ahead and do it. Uh, it's getting it on the books is important. And often they're very misleading, uh, very Orwellian in language. Some are more well, Orwellian too, like Patriot Act. I mean, uh, three controversial provisions that Congress voted to keep. That's one of the headlines and stories today. And uh, the Patriot Acts, you think about it. The U.S. is a, a republic. And in the speeches at the G8 and elsewhere, here's your president talking about... Uh, forcing democracy across the Middle East and Libya. Uh, it's quite something to think about, isn't it? You have to bend your head around and maybe your knees too. But anyway, this article here says, the Congress has included sunset provisions in the USA Patriot Act to ensure that lawmakers revisited the, uh, their measures. On Thursday, they extended the provisions for another four years. Well, it looks like it's going to be, going to be permanently, permanent for me. And you know, it's nothing to do with the war on terror. It's to do with the terrorism to come, or at least the, the fear to come, when people do riot, when they're really into austerity, and the next stage of it, losing more homes, and more homes goes on, and then you, you find that you're on food rationing, if you can get any food at all, and the prices are going sky high. They're really keeping them down uh, artificially in the U.S. because the U.S. Is, is supplying most of the troops and the cash to fight all these wars right now. But once that job's over, believe you me, uh, they'll bring you up to the European uh, stage of, um, or down to, I should say, of austerity, and it's still going down in everywhere else across Europe. So there's a long way to catch up. So they don't need all these guys on the street with machine guns and and tapping phones and all that to make sure they're on top of it. That's what it's really, really for. And as you merge into uh, this, uh, not just a new world order, but you merge into the whole American continental region, as they call it, because that's all part of it as well. And it's such a cheek to talk about patriotism when it suits them uh, as they're merging you into a continental new system. Anyway... It says, in a rare meeting of minds, many liberals, some Tea Party activists oppose the bill on the grounds that it gives governments too much power, does not protect civil liberties. Anyway, the Senate bill, it passed the bill Thursday, 72 to 23, after working through objections by Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. The vote also cut across party lines in the House where the measure passed 
uh, Thursday, 250 to 153, with 31 Republicans and 122 Democrats voting in opposition. And then it says, um, on the senator side, or the Senate side, Majority Leader Harry Reid of Nevada blasted uh, Senator Paul for putting the nation's security at risk by delaying the bill. <laughs> security is at risk, right? Few laws have so consistently been associated with, with haste and fears. The USA Patriot Act, which first passed the Congress as ground zero, still smoldered after the 9-11 attacks. Remember at that time, too, uh, Bush Jr. said that it was uh, unpatriotic if you read them to the Congress. And I, don't, I think there's only one or two of them actually tried to, to read it. None of the rest of them even opened the book, so they were showing that they're good patriots and do what they're told. At the time, the Bush administration warned that new terrorist attacks could take place within days, and it, they meant that America was going to attack all over the planet, I think, and that if Congress did not grant government significant new powers of surveillance, lawmakers would be accountable for the attacks. The USA Patriot Act uh, passed the Senate on October 24, 2001, with just one dissenting vote, and later cleared the House by a vote of 357 to 66. But Congress also included sunset provisions to ensure that lawmakers revisited these measures outside such a climate of crisis. Over time, nearly all of these sunset provisions have been made a permanent part of the law. Well, I'm really shocked about that one. Here are three provisions that Congress took up this week and extended for four years. Roving wiretaps. Uh, this provision gives intelligence officials authority to conduct surveillance on terrorist sub- subjects. Remember, they're, they're widely broadening uh, their whole definition of terrorism now, uh, regardless of how many communication devices they use, such as cell phones or the Internet. And it says approval for this surveillance must be obtained from a federal court. Law enforcement agencies have been able to use wiretaps for criminal investigations since 1986. Business records. Another provision allows access to business records in case in cases involving terrorism, foreign intelligence, or espionage, with approval of a federal judge. And in the Lone Wolf one, in 2004, Congress amended the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act to authorize intelligence gathering on individuals not affiliated with any known terrorist organization with a sunset date to correspond with the Patriot Act provisions. The provision, which is thus technically not part of the Patriot Act, <laughs> is explicit in saying it does not apply to U.S. citizens. And I'll probably have amendments on it to say, well, sometimes. On Wednesday, Director of National Intelligence James Clapper wrote to congressional leaders warning that any lapse in the provisions of the law carried national security risks, especially following the killing of Osama bin Laden. The information obtained at the Osama bin Laden compound, which was a house actually, must be quickly analyzed. They always see compound eh, when they attack someone. I guess Obama goes home to his compound at night too, do have a cup of tea or probably drinks. Quickly analyzed for any indication of warning of terrorist plots and attack plans, he wrote, as part of this effort we're using all our collection authorities to investigate and prevent terrorist attacks. But privacy groups say that Congress has never done a thorough investigation, they've never done any investigation of how the law actually works, especially its impact on individual privacy rights. Well, we do know that you don't have any. Despite having months to debate and legislate on this crucial issue, Congress has once again chosen to rubber stamp the Patriot Act and its overreaching provisions, said Laura Murphy, director of the Washington Legislative Office of the American Civil Liberties Union, in a statement. Since its passage nearly a decade ago, the Patriot Act has been improperly, uh, again and again, uh, by law enforcement to invade American privacy and violate their constitutional rights. So, it's... uh, that's what you expected. It's just routine now, isn't it? And it'll be there permanently because Americans and the Canadians and a whole bunch of us have got to go through a whole lot more to get into the new system.
which they call the, the New World Order. Interesting that Bush Sr. also said it was a new uh, system of collective action. Now, that's exactly the term uh, that it was set up to do at the United Nations. They talk about collective action, collective security, and you also have collectivism for your new Agenda 21 in your communitarian areas. But collective action, action was where the UN could rubber stamp, basically, all the wars and tell all the nation members to go and attack whoever they didn't like or whoever was holding out from them or wasn't giving up their natural resources to them because the bankers are really at the top of all this too with their all issue of international affairs. These are the boys who set the whole system up. So they're on a roll now and as I say, there's, you always think of one level at a time working. You never realize that there's two or three, even before levels of agendas working at the same time. So as you're finishing off the world uh, to make it safe for supposedly democracy, which really means poverty, austerity, collectivism, and, and debt to international bankers, and the, the World Bank, the IMF, and all the rest of it, that's what it really means, uh, running under a kind of Sovietized system, um, you, you, you don't realize that uh, there's another system above that going on at the same time, uh, bringing the regions, the UN regions together, like the, Europe is a region now, and America is classified as a region as well. I'll touch on that tonight as well. And just a little bit of trivia for those who are, are, are like trivia. Unlabeled clone meat allowed on shop shelves as food safety proposals are ripped up. It's amazing what's happening, isn't it? There's, the public just don't count anymore, do they, at all? They're just, uh, at one time they used to, even politicians used to try and give long-winded speeches about what they were doing and why to fool you through much talking. Uh, but they don't even bother anymore. They just say, oh, never mind the public, they won't complain. And if they do, so what? Unlabeled clone meat allowed on shop shelves as food safety proposals ripped up. It says food from the offspring of cloned animals, including meat and milk, have been approved for sale without labels. The Food Standards Agency yesterday tore up proposals that would have required it to go through a safety assessment. Or well, who needs a safety assessment, eh? We're all going to die anyway, all the cancers from the GM food, so it doesn't matter. It comes despite research showing 8 in 10 shoppers oppose the cloning of farm livestock. Shoppers will have no idea if meat has come from cloned animals after the Food Standards Agency approved its sale without labels. And it says unlabeled food produced using the offspring of clones such as dairy products, meat pies and ready meals can now go on sale without any threat of legal action. But animal welfare groups say the cloning technique is cruel with a high number of miscarriages, deformities and gigantism. And that's true when you see some of these videos or these, these things they've made, you know, these awful poor looking creatures, they can hardly stand up because the, the skeletal system isn't designed to carry that kind of weight that's meant to go on this for fast production of meat. And uh, it's just disgusting what they're doing. But then big money's behind it, and and that's what's really driving it. The FSA's decision is in line with government policy, which supports clone farming and clone food without labels. Now, this, this, it says the government, that's the, that's the government policy. The government is supporting clone farming and clone food without labels. There's just no, no regard for the public at all anymore. This is the government's agenda. And who did it, did it, does the government kowtow to? Well, they kowtow to the GM producers and the guys that do the cloning, uh, you know, and all the rest of it. This is the same in every country now. So this is rushing ahead, and we're just ignored now. 
I think probably they know we'll all die pretty pretty shortly, one thing or another, if the radiation doesn't get us from Japan. Anyway, as we're going to austerity, it's just astonishing how much money you can borrow to hand out to other countries. And this is a thing that's been going on since World War II in all NATO countries especially. Uh, because in World War II, they set up these organizations, again, under the United Nations, the World Bank, the IMF, and the, the Bank for International Settlements, perhaps a private group. Uh, they're the biggie ones, who were really the bosses over the rest of them, by the way, according to Quigley. And the idea was that these countries would borrow the money from these, these banks, uh, put the people down as collateral to pay them off, and then either write off the debts if the folk couldn't afford it, and give them another loan. We've been doing this for more 50, 60 years now, back after this break. Hi, folks, we're back, cutting in through the matrix. And just before I, I read this article in Foreign Aid here, which is all going to go to rebuilding the Middle East, of course. You know that, too, for the oil companies. Um, I'll go to Ed in Washington, if he's still on the line. Are you there, Ed? Hi, well, hi, hi, Alan. How are you? Not too bad. Yeah. Good. I'm a first-time caller. Uh, thank you very much for your educational efforts. I really appreciate it. Um, now, on, the Euro, on the durability of the euro, um, seems like... The New World Order, to a certain extent, hangs on that. Um, I've heard Bob Chapman talk about the euro, and uh, he thinks it'll fall apart. You have a uh, another view. It seems like you're on the other side of the spectrum. You, you're, you're. I don't know. It sounds like you're not too convinced the euro will will self-destruct because of the uh, cultural differences and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's basically the main question I want to ask you. And I, the second question would lead from that, um, follow from that, is uh, if the euro fails, how much do you think that would, how much would that damage the new world order? Well, that's just why it won't fail. Uh, they, 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 will, they cannot and will not let it fail. They'll let everything else um, go down the tubes before they'll ever, ever let their union fail. Don't forget, they, want, they talked about the League of Nations setting up the, uh, and even before that, with the, with the Cecil Rhodes and Milner groups uh, in the 1800s, late 1800s, they, they talked about setting up uh, a joint Europe then. And that was, their, that was their dedicated ambition for intergenerational work towards that. They've got what they wanted, and they will never let that fall apart by force if need be. It would take literally a war before, a war of the people before they'll ever, ever uh, change anything or let it fail. They'll let every other currency fail before they'll do that. Yeah. So it won't happen. It's impossible. Anyways, yeah, they'll, they'll, they, they can't. They've hung everything on this this union, and they've already gone ahead now, uh, literally eradicating history across the whole of Europe, uh, all the history of conflicts or history of the past, etc. And so the young children are already being raised up, uh, with a whole new curriculum, a, a, a very vague history, uh, where there's no conflict at all, and they're all just one big happy family. That's what they've been taught to to believe. And um, the only ones who know this are the older ones who will die off anyway. And this is what you're you're, you're living through an intergenerational plan. 
And we tend to forget that all the time. You must always keep that uppermost in your mind. It's intergenerational. And Karl Marx talked about the, the amalgamated Europe. Uh, that, and he talked about amalgamated America. And another one uh, for, for uh, the Far East. And that's all been pretty well accomplished. We're still going through the transformation of joining the Americas today. Even Harper, Stephen Harper of Canada, the Prime Minister, hasn't disclosed to uh, the, the, the politicians in Canada exactly what he signed and what was going on when he went down to see Obama to do this integration. So it's all been kept very hush-hush and secretive. And I might touch on that tonight, but no, they they cannot let this fail. They'll they'll do they'll take the whole country, the whole Europe down, and destroy everybody before they'll give up this this dream, as they call it, the the dream of this select few at the top. And uh, it just won't happen. Now, back to this article here on foreign aid. It says British foreign aid will it will be 8.7 billion pounds in 2011, rising to more than 12 billion pounds in 2014. As I say, they're all meeting now and eating well over in France at the casino there, uh, having a great old time to themselves to sign these these uh, uh, it's basically all bills of lending to these countries, putting us all down as the guarantors to pay. And as we know, they always write off these debts of the so-called third world. It's actually going to build the oil, uh, new oil refineries and so on, and the countries are taking over for the existing ones that have taken over countries like Iraq. We already paid for brand new refineries for Iraq, and then did a big auction in Canada out as freebies to Exxon and all the big boys. Anyway, it says, uh, so uh, his decision led to Britain being branded the soft touch of the international community by one of its own MPs. This is a country now that's, that's now uh, really institutionalizing into its system uh, the fact that thousands must die every year because they can't afford fuel. But we can give all this cash abroad and then write it off and then pay off that too to the international bankers when the country can't afford to pay us back and then borrow more and give them another loan. This has been going on forever. And even after World War II, they set up the Overseas Economic Development Corporation, which is attached to your government. Every UN country that is signatory has one, and that's how they were doing it through then. It wasn't going to the poor people in the countries. It's always been going to the big corporations, the international boys. Nothing's, nothing's really changed. Just more money is going to them than ever before. This is in a damning report released at the G8 Summit reveals that Britain spends more on aid as a percentage of national income than any other country in the world, while British taxpayers suffer through an age of austerity. It's going to be generations of austerity. That's what it's going to be. UK is spending exactly twice as much on foreign handouts as a share of gross domestic product as the G8 average of the world's leading economies. Uh, Sarkozy and his, uh, the, the, the photographs and all had a great old time in, in France and so on. Uh, these new uh, Caligulas. Uh, so, I was going to mention too, yeah, the secret uh, Patriot Act, as Senator says, it says here, this is in Wired magazine, it says, you think you understand how the Patriot Act allows the government to spy on its citizens? Senator Ron Wyden said it's worse than you know. Congress is set to reauthorize three controversial provisions in the surveillance laws earliest Thursday, which is done. We'll I'll touch on what he talks about in this article when I come back from this break. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And Senator Rodden Wyden says, we're getting to a gap between what the public thinks the law says and what the American government secretly thinks the law says. He told Danger Room in an interview in his Senate office, when you get that kind of gap, you're going to have a problem on your hands. What does he mean by that? It says, as a member of the Intelligence Committee, he laments that he can't precisely explain without disclosing classified information, but one component of the Patriot Act in particular gives him immense pause, the so-called business records provision, which empowers the FBI to get businesses, medical offices, banks, and other organizations to turn over any tangible things it deems relevant to a security investigation. It is fair to say that the business records provision is a part of the Patriot Act and that I am extremely interested in reforming. Wyden says, I know a fair amount about how it's interpreted and I'm going to keep publishing or pushing as I have to get more information about how the Patriot Act is being interpreted, declassified. I think the public have a right to public debate about it. That's why Wyden and his colleague, Sir Mark Udall, offered an amendment on Tuesday to the Patriot Act reauthorization. The amendment first reported by Macy Wheeler blasted the administration for secretly, secretly reinterpreting public laws and statutes and would compel the Attorney General to publicly disclose the United States government's official interpretation of the USA Patriot Act. And intriguingly, it refers to intelligence collection authorities embedded in the Patriot Act that the administration briefed the Senate about in February. Wine says he can't answer any specific questions about how the government thinks it can use the Patriot Act. In other words, they have already, already had discussions, uh, again, secret discussions. That would risk revealing classified information, something Wine considers an abuse of government secrecy. He believes the techniques give them, them, given themselves or should stay secret, but the rationale for using the legal uh, use under Patriot ought to be disclosed. So he goes on about how it's spiked up in surveillance and all the rest of it, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, so I don't think anything will come to it because they will never tell the public what they're ever really actually up to. It's always really been like that, by the way. That's how it's always really been everywhere in every country. Now, there's Tom from Massachusetts on the line. Are you there, Tom? Hello, Tom. How are you doing? I'm, I'm hanging in here, as always. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, I've got a short question for you. Um, I read somewhere, but um, I can't remember where, but um, it says that... Um, our Federal Reserve System is actually patterned after the Office of the Exchequer in Great Britain. Is that correct? Technically, it is, yeah. yeah the, the Exchequer is a, is a throwover or leftover from the Knights Templar because uh, they actually have a, had an outside square in, in the Temple Bar area of London in the city uh, where they march out their debts and their loans uh, on a, literally, literally a drafts board, a big outside drafts board, massive thing, and they used these big long sticks to push the, the checkers around. And even today, the man in charge of the British Treasury is called the Chancellor of the H Checker. Yeah, that's, that's the shape of it. It's an H, so they call it the H Checker. So they did pattern after it, yeah. Oh, and it goes back quite a while. I was uh, doing some research on my own and. The office, uh, well, the Department of the Exchequer is, I guess, well, the office, too, would be uh, dating back uh, probably close to, if not over a 1,000 years. Pretty well, yeah. Uh, so this has been in effect for quite a while, and I can begin to see uh, more <laughs> of the tie-in between the uh, Anglo-American uh, connection here and what uh, had bubbled over into uh, the establishment of the Federal Reserve at the turn of the century, the uh, the influence that the... Oh, a massive influence. One... One good book to read was by uh, Colonel Mandel House, 
uh, and his title was ordinary, but he had a, he had a big head and wanted a title, so he gave himself a title. But he worked for this Milner Group, by the way. He was one of the American um, representatives of the Milner Group for world government and for to be under banking, by the way. Uh, that's who the, the top boys are supposed to be, these international moneylenders. They're not ordinary bankers. They literally lend to nations, uh, private families, a lot of them. And he also... Uh, he came in and he was a guy who pushed it, he drafted it up for Wilson and all the guys at Jekyll Island, of course, went across and with them and, and they signed it all into, into law. Uh, they always get a front man. Their presidents are nothing more than front men and same with prime ministers too. They get well rewarded for playing the game. But, uh, the idea was to bring in a central, a system, uh, basically very much like Britain's system. And, and where, where, and you've noticed even recently they've made disclosures that the U.S. has been not only just like Britain, uh, you're, you're lending money to other countries as a government. Now, whoever gave the government the power to act as a bank on its own by lending money out, the sure tax money, to other banks across the world? And of course, we find in World War One, uh, just before uh, the the whole thing came to fruition for the Federal Reserve. Uh, they sent over um, uh, the Warburg brother. Uh, they already put one of his brothers in America. He ended up being head of the Federal Reserve. And uh, his brother in, in Germany uh, ran the German system. So through World War One, they kept the debts for both nations. And then after World War I, World War uh, they did the reparations deals. They got together. Uh, so here's one on one side for using the money for Germany, and his brother was on the one using it for American debt. I mean, what a con. And then, of course, it also sent over Jacob Schiff uh, by Rothschilds. He was brought up by the Rothschild family in their home, and he also was a big part of it, too, setting up the, what some of the Federal Reserve banks. So it was, uh, it was all based from London. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Is there any connection between... Uh the um, the uh, exchequer um, and the the worldly um, setup of things and why they would incorporate uh, the religious the religious aspect to it. For example, I think it was something of a two mentioned about two times a year they'd have meetings and one one time would be at Easter and the other at Michaelmas. That's right, old tradition, yeah, ancient tradition. So, yeah, they, they love their traditions, there's no doubt about it. In fact, it was the king at the time when the Knights Templars were exposed um, in France for really being, at that time, uh, one of the most powerful organizations on the planet, if not the most powerful, so powerful that they could, even though they were initially given a charter to exist by the Catholic Church, um, uh, it was found out eventually they were taking so much land over across the whole of Europe uh, generally, they even approach widows whose whose lords had died, the big knightly lords, and get them to, to give their put their wills over to them. So they're taking over estates all over Europe and uh, Scandinavia, and they were also tax free, by the way, like a tax free foundation. <laughs> and uh, uh, the Catholic Church was uh, given the only exemption to be tax free, and they, plus they were also based in the Middle East. And they accumulated incredible fortunes, incredible fortunes, and they were eventually lending them out. They were the first ones to actually bring out a check, money in the form of a check, where you could deposit money in one bank in Britain, say, and their, their bank, of course, the, the real gold, they gave you paper, and you'd go across to their Middle East areas and uh, recoup it over there. So these guys have been at this for an awful long time. And in England, the king even gave his treasury for safekeeping to the Templars, 
And that, that really was the beginning of the treasury, as they call it. They, they put it in their treasury, and that's the same one that the exchequer still uses today. Wow. Well, hey, thank you very much for the information, and uh, keep up the good work, and I uh, continue to look uh, forward to your broadcast. And thanks for calling. All right, we'll see ya. And there's Ali in England calling too. Are you there, Ali? Hello? Yes. Well, can you hear me? Yes, I can, yeah. Hi, peace be with you. Pardon? Peace be with you. Ah, and the same to you too, yep. That we, we need more peace. We, we definitely need more peace, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I was basically calling you about the CFR, the yeah. um, Council on Foreign Relations in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very close cousin to me um, who's actually recently become a senior fellow at the CFR. Yeah. Um, basically, I was just ringing to ask you, what is the significance of that? I mean, is he just being used as a stooge to um, work for them? Or, you know, is he very well aware of the real agenda of what's actually going on? Uh, if he's a, a fairly new guy, a novice, he'll go into the outer circle, they call it, you know, the outer circle. This is well explained in the book uh, Tragedy and Hope and uh, the Anglo-American st- establishment, both by Professor Carol Quigley, uh, who was the historian for them, for this organization. And he, tell, he, text, he tells you that they bring newcomers in, sort of the neophytes. They have so many think tanks all working on different areas of this global agenda that they often put them in as writers or in, as think tanks uh, members to work on certain problems across the globe. And then they're tested and tested to see if they can really keep quiet, if they have special abilities, they're brought up higher and higher. And then they get into, if they're very unlucky, very few do, into the higher inner circle. And the inner circle meet at All Souls College in Oxford uh, for life. They're lifetime members. And there's only about 20 of them allowed in there. So... Uh, there's an exoteric side to it and an, and an esoteric side to it. Uh, the novices generally write for their main magazines, um, uh, like the, um, uh, the Foreign Affairs magazine, and or also write for their own websites. In fact, they have huge websites now. So I don't think he, he'll know too much about what they're really up to at his level. But but certainly even being attached to them means that you'll, you're guaranteed to get up the ladder pretty quickly in any endeavor that you happen to pick on the side. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's been coming on um, television, American television on the news, discussing um, foreign policy in the Middle East and Northern Africa, particularly around, you know, these mm-hmm. so-called revolutions that are taking place over there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's coming on, he's, he's basically, um, you know, pushing their agenda. I mean, it, Oh, he will have to. See, you, you can't join it. You can't actually say, I'd like to join this organization. You must be asked to join it, which means they've already been watching you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean he was a, you know, a pretty successful author over here in the UK. Yeah. His book was obviously picked up. I mean, you know, books don't really come become bestsellers unless they're made to become bestsellers, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, and um, he was a very successful author here, and it's obvious that he's obviously being picked up by these people. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it'll depend what they have in store for him, uh, depending how he can. Uh, you, see, you understand that, that, that uh, they have a whole bunch of agendas on the go, but they're always the same agendas as they go into other nations. And at the same time, they've got agendas back home giving us an opposite story or the wrong story of why they're going into other nations. 
But the, the tactics are always the same as to destroy what's left of family units, the culture, the religion, and rebuild everything on the, the, the new so-called democratic system, which, as you well know, is not democratic at all. But uh, uh, um, you must always bring into all your writings as an author. If Canada, Canada and Britain are famous for this because most of the, the authors out over there get funds from and grants from governments to write. But you must write about feminism. That must be included. You must have all the PC things written inside the story in the novels uh, uh, to get the grants. And they all comply with that. They're, they're shameless prostitutes. And, um, and that's why they get picked for these things. Yeah, and I just have one quick question as well. Um, these people who get picked up to work for these certain organizations like the CFR, mm-hmm. um, are they also part of any secret societies? Well, uh, they're often encouraged to become, if they've not already become a member uh, of uh, generally basic Freemasonry to start with. Uh, that's, the, that's the the foot in the door of the, the general societies, and then they go into higher societies if they're worthy, as they say, to go into the higher societies. Yeah, yeah um, my cousin, who's actually joined these people, he's recently actually become a Sufi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that the high levels of Sufism is actually part of the secret societies, isn't it? Part, part of the mystery schools, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, do you have to join one particular secret society, such as the Masons, or... Can it be other secret societies like the Sufis? It, could, it, it, could, it can bring you in from any one of them, but eventually they bring you into uh, general masonry too that accepts them from all the other societies. And, uh, and that's what they say, it's, it's a brotherhood of the world. And um, they don't talk religion. Uh, that, any, any of the, the usual religions put that way in their lodge, they are talking a religion, and men, many of the new members don't even realize that initially, but there's definitely a religion there they're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and just one quick question. What is the meaning of the crescent? Because I see on all these Islamic flags, mm-hmm. and I know it's something to do with the mystery schools and the mystery religions, but you know, what is the meaning of it? Uh, the meaning of their, their symbols? The crescent. Oh, the crescent. The, the, the crescent was a. It, it's a very uh, has different meanings. Um, in ancient uh, Middle East, it was also apart from being the new moon, it was also called the Nazi. By the, they, they like the word Nazi, and they play so much on the word Nazi. It means head as well, and so it's a head. And they used to love uh, the time of the year, especially uh, the one. Uh, the Midwest winter solstice or Christmas time, uh, they, even long before that, even in Egypt, Egyptian times, they would have that symbol, especially when Venus was in between the horns in alignment with uh, the belt of Orion. Uh, that was one of their, their highest symbols, and only it happens once every so often. But that's, that's one of their main symbols for, for a, a, the birth of their system. So it's also for, for the birth of something new coming out of the womb as well, or out of their own head, as they often say. So it's got that on, on one of the levels. There's other levels of meaning too, but it would take a long time to explain them all. But that's one of the, that's why they love the NSA, NASA, it's the same thing, and NASA, uh, and so on, you yeah. know. Yep. Well, that's kind of interesting. Um, well, thanks for your help, and um, may peace be with you. And be with you too. Bye now.
Thanks for calling. But um, talking about the, the, the integration here, here's one uh, site I'll pull up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And it's one of these funded non-governmental organizations, uh, not-for-profit organizations. They're all funded by the big multi-trillion dollar foundations. The North American Model Legislator, and it says, um, who are they? They're called FINA NAFI. The North American Forum on Integration is a non-profit organization. Well, this is only one of many now, based, and all funded by the same foundations. Based in Montreal, NAFI created in 2002 aims to address the issues raised by North American integration as well as identifying new ideas and strategies to reinforce the North American region. Under the UN, remember, they're all called regions. Over the first two years of its existence, NAFI organized conferences which brought people together, or brought together government and academic figures as well as business people. That's what they use. They don't bother with the general population. It's just academia and government and business. The first conference organized by NAFI entitled Beyond Free Trade, Strengthening North America was held in Montreal, March 2003. This conference was attended by 280 people as well as prominent conference speakers. The second NAFI conference took place in April 2004 in Monterey, Mexico. And it's great how these little poor, you know, guys with tin cans can get around to all these exotic places and focused on North American energy resources as well as the creation of a North American energy fund. About 200 participants and conference speakers took part in the conference, among which the former energy minister, Mr. Philip Calderon. And I'll talk more about this when we get back from this break. Folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and to go on with this article here from this non-profit organization for the integration of the Americas, says, making the academic world, the public and decision makers aware of the challenges posed by integration between the three NAFTA countries, that's their objectives, and also making or identifying the elements of the North American agenda, which would allow the consolidation and reinforcement of the North American regions, favoring the creation of North American networks to set the basis for a trilateral dialogue. So that's one. Then I'll put one up too. It's called Alapac, and it's uh, got a lot of the data on the integration stuff that's been going on over the years that they've kept quiet from the, the general public. This is a, a set of a secret document recently released by WikiLeaks. Reve- I mentioned that last week. Reve- reveals their high-level U.S. ambassador promoting a merger of the United States, Canada, and Mexico into one combined consumer and labor market, just like the European Union, remember, because that's the old agenda with a common currency and a mutual electronic security perimeter with less focus on physical borders. The secret documents reveal a well-developed plan that advocates secrecy, an incremental approach, so as not to alarm the public. The document clearly states that the plan is to prevent U.S. efforts to protect citizens from terrorism or disease from interfering with commerce and other financial interests. The document also advocates that promotion of this plan focus on individual firms, industries or travelers and especially consumers instead of the nations as a whole. That's how they did it with the European Union. They kept saying it would be easier for travelers or it would be easier for industries, but never says it would be we're integrating you completely. You see, that was the whole game of it. This high-level uh, leak appears to validate earlier concerns by many groups of plans to create a new government which would supersede the sovereignty of America, Canada, and Mexico in a way similar to the European Union. 
critics of these merger plans call the plan the North American Union. Supporters of the plan call it the North American Community or North American Integration, like that last site I just read. It, it is a conspiracy, but it's no theory, said William Gein of Alapac. These traders are trying to conceal their plans, but they're out in the open now. They're trying to force an economic union on America that is not ratified by U.S. Congress, not authorized by the U.S. Constitution, and not approved by the American public. The plan is being facilitated by, non, by non-enforcement of our existing immigration and border laws. So it goes on and on and on. A lot of data, a lot of... Uh, uh, documents you can go into to read about it too. Uh, so it's it's been ongoing. As I say, there's members of always three or four things going on at the same time, three levels of things. One, they'll use a national level. America's at war with the world for to save ourselves and the patriotism. And the second level is to spread democracy across the whole world. And the third level, you're, you're getting integrated into something for the future. It's all it's almost here, in fact, and you'll see it shortly in your lifetime. So there's always different things going on at the same time. People, the public are always fooled. That's the whole intention of it. And uh, it will be done the same way as Europe until one day you wake up and you've got a, a parliament for the Americas, which was, by the way, discussed at the very first free trade negotiations back in the 80s. Uh, they, they mentioned that they might set it up in Montreal. So uh, there you go. Uh, nothing really changes. It's one agenda. Never forget that. There's one agenda on the go. And it's definitely the same boys behind it. Uh, they have been for well over 100 years now. And even before that, they had different names. Even when Winston Churchill uh, talked about it, uh, he was so confused. He didn't realize who they were because he knew all the names. He didn't realize that it was all one association. <laughs> they were so secretive about what they were doing with the Milner Group that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Getting back to that little symbol of the new moon, remember too, in the Soviet flag, which really came from, didn't come from the Russian people at all, You'll see a little star just off the top horn of the moon as well. It's very significant, that little star. From Hamish and myself, Hamish is my dog, by the way, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>